Grow CFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using GrowCFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the GrowCFO show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and today I've got Ajmal Mian with me. And we're going to have a, a little look at what's happening in the UK economy, particularly talking about the high street and what's in store possibly for the high street in the next 12, 24 months. But uh, Ajmal, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kevin. Ajmal, just tell us a little bit about yourself for a moment. Uh, Okay. Uh, I came from a very entrepreneurial family and we have been uh, in business. My family has been in business since 1924, okay? And... uh, so the business is some sort of a, is in my blood and i trained with a small to medium sized practice uh, in in west end in in london city yep and over the course of my uh, time that that was uh, late 1990s and early 2000 the high street started consolidating and the small shops started disappearing and the bigger shops uh, sorry, bigger superstores like Asda, Tesco, they started appearing. And this was a gradual trend. And like uh, a very simple example is that every area used to have a school uniform shop. They are no longer there because Tesco, Sainsbury's, Asda, Marks and Spencer, they give you this offer, buy two shirts and get the third one for free. Yeah. So eventually, all those shops started disappearing and then they disappeared and suddenly in 2020 March 2020 we had a pandemic and I think there are going to be further implications how our high street is going to emerge from this crisis and I would like to discuss an amoeba format that now everybody, all the businesses, small, medium and large, have to adopt. As the businesses are going to adopt, I think it's going to change the accountancy profession and all the the advisory services normally is expected from from a high street accountant all the way up to CFO level. I I think I'd totally totally endorse that but things are going to change enormously and i'm just reflecting on on that change that's happened historically Ashmal. and like you i qualified with a, a small medium firm uh, not in london in newcastle but I, I think about that city center that i used to walk through every day um now the the classic you, you talked school uniform shops i i suddenly thought of, of gents tailors Burton's, Dunn & Company, Jackson's, they were Greenwoods, they were all the high street names around the the town. I think these days, if you're buying gents clothing, you're doing the same. You're going into Asda, Tesco at the low end of the market, Marks & Spencer slightly further up. And yeah, there are still some high-end shops, but they're very, very different to those things that that evolved from the traditional gents tailor that was on the high street when I was a, a youngster. And that evolution has 
accelerated beyond all belief. And I know I'm thinking, oh, hang on, anything on the high street has been shut now for several months, has barely been open for any period in the last year. So yeah, there's, there's, there's going to be a big change there. So you know, what, what do you think the future looks like? I mean, I think the, uh, the future is where our teenagers are and how they are going to behave as a consumers. Mm. Uh, I am in my 40s and I don't do that much shopping. Yeah. Anyway, okay, I may have to occasionally now pick up uh, a shirt or suit here and there, but because I am a classical person, I will still love to go into Marks and Spencer or uh, sort of a, a high street shop and I will still want something to be, I will some. I, I would like something to try yeah. before I buy. Me, me too. That's, that's one thing that I don't think I can buy any other way. I want to put it on, make sure it fits, make sure it's right before I take it to the checkout. Yeah, you take it to the checkout. But these, these youngsters, they have a very different attitude. They just want to feel and look on their screen and they are brand driven. They're not that much quality conscious and they just order the stuff. Mm. So it's, the, it's our young generation. I mean, I have a son who goes to, uh, who is going to sit his GCSE exam next year. I think these are the young consumers who are going to drive the market in a very different way. Yeah. The, 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 uh, this uh, service industry to serve uh, the older generation and uh, my generation are going to be there, but, but their days are now limited, or maybe you call it numbered. Yeah. Or I, I imagine the way uh, John Lewis is my favorite store. Yes. Okay. I, since I was a kid, I always been to John Lewis and I love John Lewis. The, the problem I have that there was only one John Lewis in Croydon and they have closed it. So now the either I go to Epsom, which is around about 20 miles away from where I live, or I go to John Lewis in Oxford Circus. Yes. And the approach even John Lewis are taking is that they are they are going to become a typical typical uh, design oriented shop what i mean by designer shop the way designer shop are in a city is you go in they only have a couple of items display for each uh, for each set you go you like the item and then they say thank you very much sir if you will pay today, this item will be delivered to you tomorrow from our warehouse. Yes. This is the way or most of the West and uh, high-end shops are doing. Okay, they are not carrying and keeping all the stocks in, I would say, in Brand Cross Shopping Center or maybe in, in Sheffield or maybe in Manchester. So what they want is now the customer either they buy it on the internet, they like the stuff and they just order it there. And if you do pop into a shop, you're only going to uh, see just the small, medium, large, all the sizes just there for you to try and you pay 
and then next day they are delivered to your door. And it's here, Mr. Man. Here's what you're looking at. We've got the the grey suit in stock. Try it on. We know you want the blue one. Well, we'll we'll organise the blue one to be sent to you. That's it. Yes. And, and I, that, I suppose John Lewis have got an interesting model there that they they don't necessarily have to have that full distribution network because they they do the click and collect service that anything you order from John Lewis you can pick up in any branch of Waitrose. Yeah, th th that's what it is. That's the whole uh, that's the whole concept with John Lewis. Is like you go in and you just select a thing, and then they say, look, from your nearest Waitrose you can uh, collect it. Or, we did, or if the item is more than hundred pound, then we just deliver it to your door. Mm. So they, so in fact, they will be operating like Amazon, a single warehouse. I do not know where it will be uh, uh, in Wales or in Manchester or in Bristol. I don't know in Birmingham. Just one warehouse which will take all the orders uh, before five pm, and they will deliver next day. So I totally, totally get that model and see where it's going to. And I know before we, we started off, we started talking about the things that Amazon have been doing over the last few months. And they've got quite, a, quite an incredible business model that's very hard to compete against. Um, and you've experienced ordering all sorts of things, I believe, over, over the last few months. And certainly I have, and you order literally at 10 p.m. one evening, and the service sometimes can be as good as it arrives the following morning. I mean, the the Amazon, I mean, like there is a one beauty in all these American businesses is they, I would not say they have revolutionized the world. Uh, what did Roman did for us, the Roman gave us a very straight roads, wherever you want to go, there is a straight road. And what Americans have done, Americans have given us the internet and the Wi-Fi. And I think now, because of this power of internet and Wi-Fi, they are capitalizing. Yes. This is, uh, I do not believe that the Amazon is gonna remain as a single player in the market in the short term. Yes, in next five years, uh, it's going to be pretty difficult for somebody to uh, to copy the the logistic system they have, but but going forward, uh, there are going to be some regionals and some national players who are going to uh, who are going to compete with with Amazon, and I I, I wouldn't be surprised if. Uh, all these high street, like um, like imagine uh, BHS, which is no longer there, Marks and Spencer, John Lewis, House of Fraser, or Burton, they make their own alliance and then they come up with a distribution network for this this for their own sector. Yes. There is, they are going to be uh, regional and national players, but it's the, uh, it's the, it's the courage and it's the entrepreneurism has to evolve from within, uh, within, 
within our uh, United Kingdom boundaries to compete with these giants. So they launched their own model. Yeah. So we're, we're moving maybe five years hence. You're walking up the, the high street, nearest one to you. What do you think that high street looks like in five years time? Uh, I think the, the high street, I wouldn't say that they are going to disappear, mm. but the high street is going to be much more of a different experience. It's not going to be the traditional high street. I think the high street will be a, probably a place where you and I will go and we will have a fixed seat in, in a coffee shop and as a CFO or as, a, or as an FD, you will take your laptop there. You will work from, from the high street. There will be a coffee shop. There will be probably, a, I do not know, a small uh, a burger chain, or a small uh, takeaway restaurant. So you will have your lunch. You will work in the high street and then you will come back home. Instead of uh, the way I go to city, I go 15, 20 miles into the city and then I complete my work and I come back. And that high street model is going to be our our office. For, yeah, for... I, I, I can see that. And I'm, I'm actually a trustee of sports center in the village that mm -hmm. we live in. And one of the things that we've recognized across the pandemic is that issue of, of people that now are required to work remotely, but haven't really got the facilities at home to do so. And recognize the model is going to be there for quite a while. So we're, we're actually converting part of the sports center to give a, a potential working space. Same, same sort of idea of a, a hot desk, coffee, coffee available and so on and so forth. So you're not working at home, but you've you've traveled a much smaller distance than you normally commute to somewhere that's conducive to doing whatever it is you need to do um, i think that that uh that flexible model where you will be offering for x hundred pounds a desk space a, a, i wouldn't say a reserved desk space but i would say like uh pay and play or yep. uh, if you want to fix a uh, space whenever you walk in uh, then i think the it's, it's going to be all down to the pricing model and and all down to the demand but this can be for a uh, for few hundred pounds a month it's going to be uh, a membership of a club where yes. you go in you you do all your work you know if you don't need a high spec uh color at and cutting edge technology printer at home. So everything is going to be there. You just log into the system. The system recognizes you when you have logged in. You can do all your printing. If Even if you have to send some scans or facts, they have all the facilities. You finish your work. It allows you to have a, uh, I do not know, paid or prepaid tea or coffee card where you go and you pick up your tea or coffee two to three times a day. Uh, you have your uh, some sort of a, your a, your sandwich, or there's a sandwich bar. You pick up your lunch for I do not know six pound to have a a, a a sandwich, some crisp, and a glass of beer if you like, or 
if you want to have a hot drink or a cold drink, you pick up your, uh, your lunch and that's your day's work done. Yeah. yeah. So you don't have to commute 30, 40 miles. Uh, and in the meantime, that similar space can provide you with, uh, with a telephone booth, some sort of a things. If you want to have a conference call, you go in, you have your conference call or you, you attend your board meeting. And I think this sort of a model, we like it or not like it, I think this is going to emerge slowly and slowly. Yeah. And I I guess there's there's still a place there for some shops. Possibly more or more specialist shops, because you've you've then still got the footfall in the high street that will be going out and walking around at lunchtime and probably want some things to do, some things to look at and so on. So there's still a a space maybe for the the retail unit on the high street. Um, I think the the shops are going to become more and more specialized. And we are not going to see a sort of a, a shop where you can go in and you can pick up uh, like a traditional stationery shop where you will go in, you can pick up an ink or you can pick up a pen or you can buy some folders. I, I think these sort of a, sort of a multi-dimensional shops are going to struggle in the high street. The reason is, I will give you one very uh, simple example these youngsters even when they are walking into asta or tesco or they are in marks and spencer they can check via scanning those items that if the similar item is available somewhere else at a cheaper price yeah that's not just the youngsters that do that i've done that in tesco's before now worked out whether the offer the tesco's have on the uh, on the television shelf is actually a genuine offer <laughs> ah, okay. Yes, yeah. you know, like you have done it, and uh, my uh, my son, he was telling me a very uh, very advanced function in his mobile where he can scan a shirt and he yeah. can ask the similar shirt to be located everywhere in the UK, and it will tell him what sort of a price you are expected to pay. Yeah, yeah, and. I think that that sort of thing will will force the market towards, as you say, very specialized shops. It won't favor shops anymore that can sell a range of items carrying a very small stock of each. It'll favor a specialist who can have in a in a in a niche can be carrying just about everything in that niche. But because they're carrying those things, it's it's not a model that works on the high street. It's got to be online because a high street shop for the volume that it will get of the individual items would never make any money compared to the stock it's got to hold. So you're, you are radically changing the market towards, towards supply online. I mean, especially like, look, uh, if you are a fan of a guitar, okay, then you have to go to the specialist guitar shop to to experience the guitar and before you buy it yes. so it is is difficult for somebody to spend a thousand pound or more than a thousand pound or less than a thousand pound 
on something uh, where you need an experience. You know, yes. it's a similar thing. Uh, if you uh, if you want to buy a, a sort of a, a bicycle or a, a sports bicycle from from Halford, okay, they they are doing the same model. You know, you go in, you like the stuff, and they let you experience it, and then they will tell you, look, come in five days time, and then your bikes will be ready to pick up. They yeah. don't have the stock in Halford now all the time while in the past 10 years ago i remember i used to go with in uh, going with my kids my kids used to uh, like a, a bicycle on a display and within next half an hour or an hour they they bring it out of their stock and they used to assemble it yes. it's no longer that facility is no longer there. there there's an, there's another big difference that Ten years ago, yes, you'd go into Halford, you'd look at the you'd look at the range of bicycles they've got, you'd talk to the salesman in the shop, and you'd make a decision there. And then the the the, the way you make that decision now for higher value items has changed. That generally you'll have been online and you'll have read several reviews. Mm. You'll have you'll have been on comparison websites, and we're not just talking about the price comparison we talked about earlier. We'll be talking about the sort of website that takes five or six bicycles. So you're looking at um, a hybrid bicycle that you want to be able to use on the road. You want to be able to use off-road as well. And it's mainly on the road. Uh, here's, here's the three we'd recommend if that's your, your use pattern. And you'd see the different prices, the different features. And you'd probably read a couple of reviews that people have left and what they think of it, that having bought it. And you'd make the decision in a whole different way going forward to, to that, that shopping experience. I mean, yes, that uh, I, I agree with you to, uh, to certain extent, but I am still a very old, uh, uh, what you call an old, uh, old fashioned man. I will mm. still wants to go into the shop. I still want to touch, feel, and uh, I, I rely on the reviews, but I still want to have the item in front of me before uh, before I make a decision. But these youngsters who are ten years younger than uh, uh, than me, I think probably they are more uh, they are more to follow the yeah. the route as you said. Yeah, and that, that they're without a doubt going to going to drive the way everything takes place. So. Mm. We started beginning saying, well, hang on, the, the accountant, the CFO, and so on. How, how do you think their world is going to change through all of this? I, you know, the, like you train with, a, you have training with all the small and medium-sized clients. When we used to go in, uh, the ledger inputting was done by the bookkeepers and then they used to have a financial accountant who used to prepare the accounts yes and then fd uh, uh the, then a typical fd role was that he will do the consolidation and he will make sure that everything ties up and the bundle is ready for you to audit a 10 million pound business and they will have in one room they will have all the books they will have all the uh, photocopies of all the 
all the leases they have done, all the orders. So they make sure everything is there. But yes. now all these documentation can be PDF. Yes. And they can be sent it to you. And I was just talking to a, 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 a youngster who is training with EY uh, yesterday. And he said, look, we used to go to the client's office to do the audit, but we don't have to. And now, even just we can go to the client office just for an opening meeting and for the closing meeting because everything else can electronically flow into our office. Yes. And similar way, the similar way, the role of an FT will become much more strategic, very less uh, paper driven, and he is going to FT is going to be much more of a commercial person within an organization, just helping them uh, do the commercial decision. Yes. He is not, he is going to help how the books and how the, uh, how the uh, financials are done, but there will be so much automated process like invoices are going to be automatically processed. Your suppliers are going to process their own invoices into your system. The invoices you are sending out, they are automatically done in the books. So I think automation is going to take away a lot of the a uh, lot of classical work and FT have to check or the yes. CFO used to check. I think they are all. Uh, it's it's just like uh, going to become a sausage factory, you know, in and output from the other end. Yeah. So I'm 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 thinking about Grow CFO, and we we've got a session every Tuesday lunchtime, which we call the Future of the Finance Function, and we've discussed a whole range of topics across there. We've talked about. Um, we've, run, we've run the finance system survey, looked at finance systems that people are using, seeing the increasing move to cloud accounting. We've talked about automated expenses systems. We've talked about electronic systems for invoice factoring. We've talked about a, a whole range of, of things that are appearing. And certainly I, I very much agree with you that as, the, as time goes on, then every document is electronic. Every document is in some way pinned to the general ledger, so that you can drill down and you can get from every transact every transaction in the ledger to a PDF document that shows the invoice, the, the purchase order, or the, whatever it is. Um, so we're seeing a high street that possibly doesn't even need those firms of accountants on there because an awful lot of those stuff that would go into the office don't even need to be there anymore they certainly don't need to be on client side do they need to be in their own office large numbers of, of those people can work from home with the sort of remote working environment you're you're describing that avoids the commute i think the thing that would concern me if we're talking about that sort of model in our own practice, and you, you and I, we both trained in small, medium firms. We learned a lot from the more experienced folk around us. H 
how do you think in this this environment where you can work so much more alone, so much more remotely, how how do you think that's going to impact the training of the next generation of finance people coming through? And I, I, I was uh, when you was uh, you gave this the whole description the changing scenario. The first thing which came to my mind was the training element, yeah. because the training element. Uh, is the core of I mean the training is so important that you cannot have the future leaders unless you train people exactly and the the typical example is the British industry has suffered and a lot of sectors have disappeared because we didn't have enough apprentices to keep on, to carry on with the trade. Yes. So a lot of industries, uh, the manufacturing industries disappeared. It's not for the reason that we have not been uh, competitive, but it was the, the, lack of, uh, the lack of next generation to come yep. and take over. That was the, uh, that was the problem with the, with the British industry at large because we stopped apprentices, we stopped training people. Uh, everybody wants to go to university, everybody wants to have a degree. And there was a trend in, uh, in late, uh, in early 90s and in late 90s, that the old polytech, old polytechs, they became universities. So everybody was obsessed with a degree. So yeah. that's why we didn't produce enough. Uh, enough skilled people through apprenticeship program to carry on with the with the uh, with the large industries we had in in the United Kingdom, and I think similarly, because we will not be working as it as a finance team in in accountancy practices, it is going to be a challenge, and I do not know the answer. How are how we are going to train people on the ledger, on the books, and giving them an overview, having a meeting, a morning meeting, give, uh, giving them a view what exactly we are going to do today in the office or at the client, and have a closing meeting. So all these things are, are, not, are, are no longer going to be there. So it's going to be pretty difficult to, to run a decent training program. Yeah, and I must admit, I've, just, I've recently experienced that myself. It's a, alongside working for GrowCFO, I'm an associate for a, a consulting firm, and we, we've just completed a fairly large project for the NHS. And we did have one junior member of staff on the team supporting us. And it was the first time I'd been in that situation of having the junior support sort of not sitting at the next desk. So you never had that check to say, is she doing all right? Is she struggling with something? Uh, I guess there's still a tendency with a lot of folks that if they're, they're not doing particularly well, they might be a little bit reluctant to put their hand up and say, can I have some help, please? Mm. Um, it's, there's, a, there's a whole new set of skills there for, for finance leaders to learn about managing remote staff, particularly remote junior staff going forward. And I think that that's CFOs, head of finances, accountants in practice. I think all have that same challenge of 
how are you going to long-term manage people that aren't at the next desk? I, I, I mean, I agree with you that we have to come up either because no software can train somebody in in debit and credit, you know, no oh, software can, yeah. can, can, train, uh, can train you is how to prepare a forecast or how to prepare a management report. If the, as you said, if the junior is sitting next to you, you can, I think for a couple of hours, you can hold his hand and whenever help is required, you can just move over to his desk and you can give him all the support he requires. And then he can, he can go seamlessly in, in, in that particular day's work. But my, my concern as well is that if he is not, if he's not next to you, how you're going to hold his hand, how you're going to explain uh, the functionality and how are you going to be his mentor when you do not work with him on on day-to-day -day basis? Mm. The accountancy profession has always been in, uh, it doesn't matter if you are in a small, medium or large size practice, is that you had a training partner or yes. you had a training manager who was present on on site or in the office all the time and when you you encounter a problem or you do not know how to go how to go forward it doesn't matter if it's accounting tax or management consultancy that person is supposed to help you and give you 5 10 15 or 20 or half an hour briefing if you like on that particular subject yeah yeah and I'm, I'm thinking as well, and in a previous life, and I, I worked for PwC as a management consultant for, for a number of years. And one of the roles that I took on was a, a little bit like that training partner role in the professional firm, because we, we trained in the financial side of the consulting practice. We did train some people for SEMA qualification. They were, they were graduate recruits. Mm -hmm. And I was running the graduate scheme for the SEMA folk. And you, know, you were always conscious about putting those folk on the right assignments, making sure the right people were around them that could bring them up to speed. Um, and we, we even spent a long time working out how we could send people out on secondment into proper finance departments so they could get all that debits and credits experience. And uh, yeah, there was, there was one particular company that I had a great working relationship with. Uh, it's the, uh, the Guinness Group. Problem was every time we sent one of our people out as a second there and took one of theirs in return, ours never came back again. Okay. <laughs> Some great great um, advantages in work, working for Guinness that CPWC couldn't couldn't quite offer. Um, but yeah, and it's it brings out a, a whole new model. How do you do that sort of thing? Um, I'm conscious, Ajmal, we, we've been chatting for probably 40 minutes and we've covered a, a lot of ground and I think it's, it's an extremely interesting field to look at and to start, to start thinking about. And um, I don't know, if you are talking to a, a CFO at the moment or a, somebody aspiring to be a CFO, 
what do you think the, the, the two or three key messages are about coping with the future as it pans out over the next 12, 18 months? I, I think, all, uh, in my opinion, all the answers, if we like it or if we don't like it, I think the technology is going to be the key. Technology is going to provide us the answer and technology is going to be the the next uh, a training manager because if the leaders are not there we need to put a system of artificial intelligence in place so those trainees who are working remotely they get the full support mm. I do not know. There may be a. I don't. There may be a virtual, uh, uh, virtual guy sitting next to them, wherever they are in the world. Yeah. And and looking after them. Mm. It's an interesting thought. So I suppose the, that key piece of advice is, um, Mr. CFO, Mr. Training Partner, Mr. Senior Finance Guy, who, whoever you are, um, you need to be absolutely focused on technology in the future understanding technology and the art of the possible both for the way your business does business and for the way you look after and manage your people is going to be absolutely vital yeah it's going to be absolutely vital yeah ashmal thank you that's a fascinating fascinating insight into what what's going on in the economy and uh, i think Yes, we've touched on things and we're just going to have to watch and see what happens in the fullness of time. But one thing that I'd encourage any listener to do, if, you, if you're starting to think technology, I mentioned as we were chatting, the regular Tuesday lunchtime, Tuesday 12 o'clock, future of the finance function session in Grow CFO. You can join Grow CFO as a free member and you can sign up and you can attend those future of the finance function sessions on a, a regular basis and as I say we've covered a whole range of topics around the changes that are going on in in finance in technology in systems in people in processes and we'd love to see you along in the room so thank you once again for tuning into the grow cfo show mm-hmm.